0: Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. School starts up again next Tuesday, which means it is time for our annual teacher check-in. How will new laws play out in their classrooms? And what tops the list of classroom needs? Whether you are a parent, a student, or, like me, have not walked the public school halls in years, we can all learn something from Mr. John Arthur. It's Wednesday, August 16th. I'm Allie Viarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. John Arthur, you are a sixth grade teacher at Meadowlark Elementary in Rose Park. We've made a tradition now of checking in with you before the school year starts. What feels different as you prepare to kick off this year?
1: You know what, what feels different this year? I don't know. I'm always excited to come back to school. You know, mm. Those of us who just really enjoy spending time with, with kids, uplifting and educating them, nothing beats that those butterflies that, that are already starting in the tummy a week before school comes. Um, I'm already asking myself, oh, are they going to like me? Have I done enough? Does the room look nice? Yeah. But I feel like even one more year removed from the pandemic, it feels a little more secure coming back to school. Mm. Still feels a little more like, Things are going to be OK. We're back. All is well. But then, you know, this morning I was listening to the news and they're talking about a summer surge and COVID and, you know, flu. Yeah. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. No, 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 no. You, you take yeah. it easy with that. No, we've, we've paid our dues. We've done our time. Now it's just time to learn.
0: Well, I want to ask you about that because previous years when we've chatted, we were sort of phasing out of this pandemic. But I know, I mean, you teach sixth grade and you had students that were still masking up. And we talked about how that was sort of potentially in part because the pandemic had a really, really deep impact in this community. Yeah. But also because maybe sixth graders got used to covering their faces in class and that was sort of something they were taking seriously or, or like, maybe enjoying. Like, do you think that some of your students are going to be masked
1: up this fall? I know for sure one of them is because mm-hmm. he went through fifth grade wearing a mask every single day. Last year I had a girl who wore a mask every day and she ate lunch in my classroom every day so she didn't have to be down in the cafeteria. As adults, we go through a thing like that. We just want to move past it. We, as quick as possible, we want to put it in the rearview mirror. Kids, that's their childhood. And some of them aren't sure that the world is safe yet. And so they they continue to wear this thing the same way that my little girl carries a safety blanket around. They, don't get me wrong, are very good at coming up with reasons to hide their faces. My kids love hoodies. They'll put stickers over their forming sits and pipples. you know. Oh, yeah. They'll they'll try and cover it up with, like, art, which I think is fantastic. And the
0: zit sticker.
1: Yeah, the zit sticker. And some kids just think masks are dope. That's one of the things I appreciate most about kids. The rest of us are making decisions based on convenience or, you know, wanting to get to a more comfortable place. Kids kids can find ways to be in costume all the time. And, yeah. and I, I'm here for it.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the policymaking around schools right now. It seems like a lifetime ago that the legislature was in session. We talked to you about a couple different bills that Mm -hmm. went through the state. They passed more than 100 bills around education this past legislative session. Among them, the voucher program, which you and I have discussed, that was tied to teacher raises, Another bill required schools to talk about racism, sexism, and oppression in a way that is consistent with quote, certain principles of individual freedom. Yeah. Overall, what kind of tangible impacts will any of these new education laws have in your classroom?
1: That is such a good question. The the voucher bill will have an impact in that I and other teachers throughout our state will receive a raise. And then the voucher side of it won't actually go into effect until 2024 because state still has to develop a, a program. They still have to pick a director for that program to oversee the distribution of these scholarships, as they like to call them. But they're vouchers for kids to go to private, home, religious schools using public money. Um, so the impacts of that won't necessarily be felt. There will be tangible impacts in the way that teachers and librarians feel as they go about their day-to-day lives and their duties on the job, there's a real worry about what we can and cannot talk about and who's going to come after us if we do decide to share our voice. There's been a lot of talk lately about how teachers are being painted as as groomers for child trafficking and, and indoctrinators into all kinds of lifestyles, and that's having an impact on my friends. I've talked to educators who've left Utah, who've gone to other states or they've left the profession to go into the private sector because you can make way more money and unemployment is low. It's gonna mean there are fewer teachers and fewer librarians to work with our kids. The session feels like it was long ago, but this next one feels like it's already looming on the horizon. And over the summer, they had interim education sessions where they talked about transparency bills, uh, they talked about updates that they're going to make to the book banning bills that are already in place and bringing back ones that, that died on the vine this last session. So everybody's just filled with a little bit of an anticipation when it comes to policymaking and what's going to mean not just for our work but for our reputations. The idea that even a, a state school board member can say that Utah schools are complicit in grooming children for sex trafficking is a really toxic environment in which you try to work with children and at the end of the day i still try to spread as much light as i can and encourage all my friends remind them we have the best job in the whole world and if people don't understand who we are and why we do what we do then we have to do all that we can to let them know but there are also policies that that went through this last session that i'm really excited about full day kindergarten passed Um, I had one of my former students go up on the Hill to offer public comment when the bill allowing students who wear religious garb while playing sports was being debated and then passed. So this year, she won't have to wear a hijab that matches color and fabric with the the uniform that she wears when she plays basketball or runs track. Uh, There were good things that came out of the session, more funding, more support, but the ones that were awful were so awful. And a lot of them we got to deal with again this year. But I look forward to it.
0: Well, in listening to interim sessions around education, is there anything on the docket that you are excited about this legislative session?
1: The ones I'm excited about don't usually make it into the interim session. The interim session is about understanding the landscape and figuring out how to thread the needle with things that are controversial and require more study, as they like to say. Mm -hmm. Things like transparency, making sure that you know, on the surface, it sounds like a great thing. Parents know what their students are learning. Everyone is having conversations and figuring out together how to make education as effective for kids as possible. But what it really actually ends up meaning is that teachers are not to be trusted and they have to be watched and already dealing with shortages in our numbers. We can't recruit and retain enough of us. So each of these bills that cast even a shadow of a doubt and an aspersion on our amazing educators in our profession is going to cost our kids in the long run. I appreciate that legislators are reaching out and they're trying to understand the issues better, but I would just encourage them to reach out to more teachers and educators and listen to those of us who are on the front line, because a lot of the folks who are telling them just how bad things are, they're telling fictions. It's just not true. And if you're not sure about it, come hang out in my classroom.
0: Yeah. Highly recommend doing that from experience, it's a good time. Unless you're scared of snakes.
1: <laughs> I have a class pet, and she is the sweetest snake in the whole world, and she's just safely locked up in her terrarium, except yeah. for that one that got out. And yeah. <laughs> that was just a one-time accident, so no worries. If you are afraid of snakes, you are still safe in my classroom. I promise.
0: The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th, and this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. Save precious money and be one in a class of nineteen, not a hundred. Well, in the Salt Lake City School District, we're seeing a handful of schools considered for closure in large part because of enrollment has dropped pretty yeah. significantly.
1: Yeah.
0: Your school, Meadowlark Elementary, has previously been flagged for low enrollment. How are you and teachers and students and families in your school community thinking about the potential
1: closures? It's interesting. Our school is not one of those on the list being considered for closure. But every school closure means that there are suddenly students who need a new home. It depends on how many schools end up closing. I think there's seven on the list. Um, If it was three that closed? Where do those kids go? And what is the impact on those communities? Do you try to distribute that? Do you try and disperse it evenly and redraw boundaries for schools that allow for a shared repopulating of these kids and these teachers? Or do they just go to the schools that are closest to them and those schools just get a boost in numbers and and more teachers? It's a complicated issue. It's hard for communities to think about this Um, because the school is such a critical piece of our community. And it's where, especially in my community, people go for, for not just education, but services. This is where people come when they need help with getting connected to medical care and getting their kid glasses and food insecurity. We have a food pantry. We've got a clothing pantry and a sundries pantry here at our school. And then They also know that we are a building full of trusted adults who will go out of our way to try and connect them with whatever it is that they are looking for. And to see any school close always breaks your heart. But at the same time, when you've got dwindling enrollment numbers, if your school suddenly gets an influx of children, that's also an influx of funding. That means more teachers coming into that school. That means more resources. So some people are looking at this issue and thinking, huh, how do we not get left out as more attention and resources are focused on the places that are going to be most impacted mm. it's a dynamic situation that's going to play out over the course of this year and the next year we'll start learning what our new boundaries will look like we may learn that you know toward the end of the school year but first they will redraw the boundaries and then they will look at physically closing schools
0: yeah I mean, there's certainly a lot on the plate of the Salt Lake City School District's new superintendent. Oh, my goodness. Her name is Dr. Elizabeth Grant. She is the fifth person to lead the school district since 2020. Yeah. What do you want to see from her?
1: I want to see the same thing I want to see from any leader. First and foremost, I want to see empathy for the the situation and the humans that she's coming in to work with. She's from our community. She she worked in Salt Lake City School District back in the day. But, you know, Salt Lake City School District today is a whole lot different than it was back in the day. I, I was a student in Salt Lake City School District. And when I was a kid at Wasatch Elementary, which is one of those schools that up, that's up for closure, then I was a, a army brat up at Fort Douglas. So I, I didn't reflect my school community necessarily, neither did my friends. Uh, from there. But it it was a very different district with very different needs. Today we're a majority minority district. The majority of our students are not Caucasian. They come from other demographics. It's beautifully diverse, culturally rich here in Salt Lake City. And that's one of the reasons why even though I don't live in this district, I will never teach anywhere else. We've got a, a pretty visible east-west split in terms of the things that communities are asking for and what we are hoping for in leadership going forward. But I tell you, I'm really heartened by the credentials that Dr. Grant is bringing to the table to her level of experience and the fact that she does come from here. I think that the the best thing that she can do and the thing that I've seen her doing is talking with administrators and other people in our district and asking them, what do you need? What, what has worked? Mm. What needs to be fixed? What needs to fine-tuning and what needs more significant change. She's been listening to folks, and I hope that she just continues on in that spirit and talks to as many teachers as she possibly can. Our contract as teachers started yesterday, and we welcome back kids this coming Tuesday, the 22nd. And I'm really hoping that the theme is, we're in this together, we've got it, but we're also making room to grow, and we want to hear what you have to say about it.
0: Well, I mean, like Dr. Grant, I think a lot of Salt Lake community members want to know what teachers need. Yeah. This is the time of year when we see a lot mm-hmm. of supply drives, schools start to lay down their requests, organizations like Donors you know, teachers are laying out their plans and asking for what they want, which we should all make a habit of. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, like, what is the best way that we can show up for teachers and students this school year?
1: What do you need? You know, there's something beautiful and also so tragic when you see a teacher posting their their shopping list on Facebook or whatever else. I love it because I love being able to help out my friends. They're like, oh, man, I've got more pencils I know what to do with. I'll just send you mine. But what other job do professionals have to go on and say, hey, I'm going to work tomorrow. I need a stapler. I need tape. I need water bottles. Who can help me out, right? So as you see those lists, recognize that that is a person in need, help them out, but also recognize that when it comes time to pay attention to funding during the legislative session, when it comes time to vote for folks who are going to be prioritizing funding for for teachers and classrooms, that, that we're doing it wrong. That's a clear indicator that the system is not working the way that it should. So show up at the point at which the system can be changed. The other thing that I would say that teachers need right now is just for everyone in society to to take a little bit of the pressure off, to let a little bit of air out of the ball and just trust us. We are trained professionals. This is what we do, not just for living, but for our lives. I hold two master's degrees. I'm national board certified. I do all of this just so I'm better for kids, not because I get paid more, uh, although I do get like a little bit of a bump. I do what I do and all my friends do the same because we're driven by love. And more than anything else, we need people to show us love. We need, when you hear someone call us a a horrible name, try and accuse us of criminal acts, shut them down, talk to them. Don't do it in an an uncivil way, but don't stand by while people are saying that these big-hearted adults who have dedicated their lives to children have some sort of a nefarious plot or an agenda that's driving all of us like we all got together in June and decided like this is our platform but we're not going to tell anybody. Like That's just not happening. What is happening is that people who came into this profession with so much joy and excitement are leaving because they don't like bullies as adults any more than they like seeing kids get bullied. And everyone has a part to play in that. In school we talk all the time about upstanders and bystanders. And right now we got too many people just standing by. I love my job more than anybody else. I'm gonna have more fun this school year uh, than anybody. I challenge them to to try and meet that. But at the same time, we don't just need supplies. We need support. And no one's leaving the profession because they don't have enough pencils. They're leaving because they don't have enough people standing up in our defense. Teachers are on the ground. We got the bullies standing over us. We need everyone to crowd around and say, hey, you back off. That's not cool. And then give us a hand and lift us up.
0: John Arthur, sixth grade teacher at Meadowlark Elementary, also known in your classroom as The Captain. The your Captain classroom being Capitan. a place where nicknames thrive. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I hope it's a great year.
1: Thank you, Allie. And as always, you have a standing invitation come hang out with river come play some kickball i'll hook you up on some extra chicken nuggets i'm ready to play
0: kickball that's for sure and i'm also ready i'm ready to change my stance on snakes so year after year i do feel like your class pet has been making a dent in my fear so
1: (laughs) well i've done my job
0: In our conversation, John mentioned a state school board member who recently suggested that public schools are, quote, complicit in the grooming of children for sex trafficking. That person is named Natalie Klein. Klein's online behavior extends to accusing public school teachers of brainwashing students and making discriminatory claims around the gender identity of a school board staffer. Now, for the third time, other members of the 15-person Utah State Board of Education have issued a statement rebuking Natalie Klein's comments. Here is an excerpt from their statement. Such an allegation against schools generally is inflammatory, divisive, and unfair to Utah's teachers, who put Utah students first every day. And it interferes with efforts to provide thoughtful solutions to difficult issues. The board went so far as to investigate Klein's behavior, but that investigation has wrapped up and found Klein's statements have not violated the board's bylaws. Now, the Utah Education Association, which is the largest teachers union in our state, has responded to this investigation with major side eye. In a press release, the UEA said they are, quote, deeply troubled by the board's failure to find Klein's toxic words in violation of its standards and its unwillingness to take action to reprimand or censure Klein. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around
1: this city. Bye.